0: Welcome back to What You Alone. My name is Adam Ashton.
1: Merhaba, merhaba, merhaba. My name is Adam Jones. Today we're reviewing uh, A Guide to the Good Life, The Ancient Art of Stoic Joy.
0: William B. Irvine is the author, A Guide to the Good Life. So uh, it was a good book. It was a good book. Really good. Uh, so it's basically this uh, William B. Irvine has learnt a whole bunch and studied a whole bunch of uh, Stoic philosophers and put it together to a much more easily digestible uh a new age version yep. that we can apply to our lives of uh, the art of stoicism.
1: That's right. Yeah. So before reading this, I was I probably wasn't that into philosophy until reading this book. He kind of sells mm. the why to have why you should have a philosophy really well, and then by mm. the end of it, there's some really good stuff. I think um, in stoicism you can apply to your life straight away.
0: Yeah, having said that, I'm still probably... I just think it's the word philosophy. It seems wanky, doesn't it?
1: Like spiritual, man. Yeah, like spiritual. Those two words,
0: they're fucking negative connotations. Yeah. But it's legit. It's legit stuff. It's a really good book. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to get into the intro?
1: Yeah, we'll get into it. So it has how many parts? It's got three... Four parts. Four parts.
0: So it's sort of like a, a history of... Stoicism, which we'll skip because whilst it's interesting, probably not too relevant. It's pretty boring, that part. Yeah. <laughs> And then it's part two is the psychological techniques. Part three is advice for specific parts of life. Yeah. And then part four is, I guess, a modern, how you can apply it to modern life.
1: Yeah. So as an introduction to the book, uh, he says, a plan for living. So he asked the question, what do you want out of life? And most people say a car or a job mm. or hot wife yeah, but these are the things you want in your life. So he asks, yeah. in he asks, what do you want out of life? And this is a question about your grand goal in living, and that's what uh, a lot of people really don't don't think about or know the answer to.
0: Yeah, definitely. And by not having that grand goal, uh, there's always a danger that you're going to mislive. So he says, you want to have a good life, but the danger is that you mislive. So and that would obviously be living a bad life. It's when you get to the end, you look back and you think that you wasted your one and only chance yeah. of living.
1: That's right. So he says, our, uh, our evolutionary biology, so what our um, our default switch is to not have a philosophy as our biology makes us seek out what feels good and we'll avoid what feels bad. And by doing this, we'll live a comfortable life or actually perhaps one filled with just pleasure. Whereas like this philosophy, so with Stoicism, it's a lot about using reason to question what your evolutionary default biology wants to do, questioning that and then coming up with better uh, approaches to some problems or some things in life. So that's what the book like is it. all about, is using reason to question why we do things and, and come up with better better solutions.
0: Yeah, sick. Um, mm. One thing I liked is that uh, he says this book is about practical philosophy as opposed to academic philosophy. So I think the academic philosophy is the wanky, wanky sort of philosophy we're referring to.
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: The other part of the intro, he says two things are required. One... Is to create your grand goal in living, and then two is coming up with an effective strategy for attaining that goal. Yep. So that's, I guess, what the book centred around.
1: Yep, bang on. So, yeah, the cost of not having a philosophy, he says at the start, is much higher. So he kind of sells the whole idea, and then uh, part one is, as you were saying, a lot of the boring stuff, a bit of history, yep. and philosophy. But part two, fucking phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and it starts off with a bang with chapter four: negative visualization. What's the worst that can happen? Yeah, and so it's all about uh, looking, or I guess during the day, during every day, thinking about bad things that could happen. Is that right?
1: That's right. So on on the surface, this appears to be like something negative. Like, why would you mm. think? You know, why would you think about dying or how your friend might die or, yeah. your, or your girlfriend will dump you, yeah. and things like that. Um, But yeah, so thinking about that, what tends to happen is, say, if you think about your own mortality or about how you are going to die, you're going to really appreciate what you have at the moment because you realize there is a risk of of losing it.
0: Yeah, spot on. So three of the big uh, benefits, he says, is one is preventing bad things from happening because because we're going to be visualizing negative things, we might start to recognize when bad things are happening and we can try and prevent it. Mm. Uh, Number two is to be prepared when they do happen. So because you're not taken aback, you're not surprised by it, you've thought about it before, so you're much more prepared to cope with that, whatever negative things come your way. And number three is that as humans, we're insatiable. We've got an insatiable appetite. We work hard to get things, but once we get it, we soon lose, I guess, the the benefits that we derive from that, and yeah. we, we just want more. So by negative visualization, we either want less, and we can be happy with what we've already got.
1: That's right. So... What you are touching on there, which is a really cool point, which is hedonic yeah. adaptation. So, as you were saying, it, it, there's a, a study he refers to in the book by Shane Frederick and George Lauer, some German dude, <laughs> <laughs> studying uh, lottery, lottery winners. So, winning lottery usually allows people to live the life of their dreams, which makes sense. But after the initial exhilaration, lottery winners end up having being about as happy as they were previously were,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So
1: they might buy the new Ferrari and the new mansion, but then they started uh, taking it for granted the way they previously took the the rusted out you know first car pickup truck mm. for granted. So what negative visualization is is it's like an antidote to this adaptation because you, yep. rather than wanting things you don't have, you uh, turn that on its head and you start appreciating the things you already have. So then you really. You get happy with that pickup truck and you realize that that Ferrari, you're just going to end up at, uh, after owning, you're going to end up adapting to whatever that pleasure was and you'll end up back at square one anyway.
0: Yeah, for sure. And just to tie that together, he says that uh, we, a more, I guess, a smaller example than the lottery is like if you buy a TV... The next TV you, you you want to buy, you're going to want it to be bigger. Yeah. And you're going to always want it to be bigger. Whereas using negative visualization is like, well, if I lost that TV, uh, that would obviously be bad. So you can be satisfied with the current size TV you've got. Mm. Or whether it's a more expensive handbag or a new brand. You you always want it. You always, We always want more. We've got this insatiable desire yeah. for more and more and more. And he calls it the satisfaction treadmill. Yeah. We just keep going and want I, more. It's never ending, is it? It's never ending. It's far- Unless yeah, let's yeah. just.
1: <laughs> yeah, mate. I reckon this is one of the hardest things, It's probably hard to realise, one of the most uh, valuable things to ever learn and really internalise. Because mm. once you realise, or you're happy with what you got, yeah. you're not going to go on this treadmill and this never-ending treadmill of ups and downs and all around and yeah. work working all life for things that you don't actually even want or aren't going to provide sustained happiness.
0: And what he says as well is that we're currently living the dream. He says that we the life we're living now ten years ago this was the this was our dream pretty much mm. now like now ten years ago to have a you know a job that's paying us an average wage and we've got a car and we've got nice things that we can buy and we can you know we've got a group of friends that we can go out and have fun with we're living the dream yeah so but we're always looking for that next thing we're not happy with what we've got at the moment yeah even if you're not living the dream things can always get worse
1: that's right yeah so one other thing with uh, negative visualisation, so the benefits from ne- negative visualisation are consistent with what people go through after a disaster or a cat- catastrophe, catastrophe? <laughs> catastrophe. Catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if someone has a near-death experience or whatever, they end up going away from that feeling like, oh, you know, they start appreciating everything a lot more after that. So this is a way of hacking that kind of trend and... and getting the benefits from a near-death experience or something like that without actually having the big uh, problem in your life.
0: Yeah, for sure. And uh, another thing like that, he talks about saying grace before a meal. Not that uh, stoicism's a religious thing and that you don't have to call it saying grace, but just being thankful that you've got you've got a meal on the, on the table. Uh, the other thing he says, be the user of the gifts of fortune, but not the slave to them. Uh, in that when we buy things, we're, we're the slave and that we have to make more money to buy more things. And instead, we should enjoy what we've got without clinging to it because it's uh, a Buddhist principle, I guess, is that we shouldn't cling to impermanent things.
1: Yep. Yep, bang on, man. So that was a... Uh, that was
0: a long section, but was it was probably... Se- this and the following are probably the two biggest ones up from the book, I reckon. Yep. The yep. dichotomy of control or what he actually then spins into a trichotomy of control. So we need to determine, like, do a bit of a stock take of our lives and things that happen day to day, and put it into one of three categories. One is that we have no control over it. Two is that we have complete control over it. And three is that we have some control over it, but not complete control.
1: Yep, that's right.
0: And obviously, if if we've got complete control over it, that's good. We should worry about it. If we've got no control about it, don't even think about it. If you can't can't control it, just, yeah, don't bother.
1: So he talks about uh, the importance of setting internal goals rather than... External goals Yeah So say if you're playing A tennis match You might have uh, One person's goal Which is external Is to win the match mm-hmm. Where you have Some control over it Whereas if you set An internal goal The goal will be For you to do The very best you can Yeah And that's something that You have complete control over And uh, complete responsibility over
0: Spot on Spot on And it sort of Almost doesn't sound So good coming out now But he says To be happy We should strive For things that are Easy to obtain. So yeah. I guess it's sort of it's almost like lowering your standards a bit, but it's not really lowering your standards. It's just focusing on what you can control. Yep. Uh, and so the things that he says that we, ca- we have complete control over are our values, the goals we set. So like you said, making internal goals, not external, and our character and our personal qualities. Hmm. So they're the things that we can control. That's and right. that's um, exactly like seven habits of highly effective people, the circle of influence versus circle of control. 13 uh, things mentally strong people don't do talked about it, it as well. It comes up
1: all the time, yeah. No. Uh, this
0: is a big one, yeah. yeah. If you can't if you can't impact it, if you can't control it, don't spend your time worrying about it.
1: Yeah, that's right. And uh, he says he, he says in the book, uh, you might be convinced that stoics have got no ambition because all these things are just like, leading to you think they've got no ambition. But yeah, one of the byproducts of stoicism he says, doesn't really say why, <laughs> <laughs> but is uh, overachievement and, and a lot of success. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. So, chapter 6, which is fatalism, letting go of the past and the present. So, he he talks about what you need to do is learn to love what fate has placed around us. So, we must welcome whatever falls into our lot and persuade ourselves that whatever happens to us is Mm. for the best to to be satisfied.
0: Yeah, for sure. And so, that's, uh, as you said, that's letting go of the present and letting go of the past is... Don't waste your time on, on uh, if-only thoughts. So, oh, if only I had have tried a bit harder, or if, if only I had have uh, spoken to that girl yeah. at the bar. You can't change the past, so stop worrying about it.
1: Yep. Uh, it says Marcus Aurelius, or how do you spell it? Marcus Aurelius, which was uh, a real big dog back in the day in the Roman Empire, he says, the only thing we own is this moment. Mm-hmm. So... It's pretty huge. Like that's it. This is it. If you can't learn to be satisfied in this moment right now, and you're always waiting for this thing that's gonna come in the future or something that fucked you in the past, <laughs> you really got no hope. You gotta yep. learn this is it. Yeah. Be happy with it. Whatever whatever it is, whatever's around you, enjoy that. Yeah. And uh, that's that's huge for uh, stoicism. Very, very similar to Buddhism, yep. Buddhism, that point as well.
0: Yeah, nice. Uh, chapter seven, self denial on dealing with the dark side of pleasure. So, this is saying that if we can deny ourselves, and this came up in Buddhist boot camp as well, if we can deny ourselves of every little craving that we have, or sorry, if we don't give in to every single little craving, practicing a little bit of self, self-denial self will lead to far superior self-control. Yeah.
1: It's, uh, it talks, it's on that point again of like evolu- our evolutionary programming is just go after everything you it, you have pleasure with and then uh this is kind of taking a step back using your reason to think hang on is that going to actually help me or can i do things a bit differently and uh yeah practice self-control to make better decisions
0: yeah and he also says that try and widen your comfort zone by practicing discomfort so maybe it's instead of having uh, a big steak and veggies just have a rice and beans one night Mm. and maybe it's a it's a simple food and it might be a little bit uncomfortable at the start, but it's something you can definitely live with. And then, obviously, that's sort of almost practicing the worst-case scenario that if you don't have enough money to buy steak and veggies, then you'll still be comfortable eating rice and beans.
1: Mm. So, yeah, an extreme version of that is (coughs) practicing poverty, which is pretty good. We should do that one day, mate, go out uh, and be homeless. Yeah,
0: you said just one day a week, just wear... just. Wear your old, old ratty clothes. Walk around. Eat the cheapest food you possibly can, and maybe sleep on the. May we dress like bums anyway? I reckon. <laughs> 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 we got no yeah, fucking art. Yeah, yeah, true. We're not, not Cha- that passionate
1: uh, by any means. Yeah, thanks. Chapter ten. Uh, so he talks about social relations on dealing with other people. So another thing that comes up a lot in good books is when we befriend people with corrupt values, they can contaminate ours. So. Be careful who you hang out with or who you're friends with because they'll yeah. Like, yeah they'll
0: fuck you. Yeah. He says avoid complainers, avoid people who whine, and avoid people with vices. So if you're a group of friends, uh, if their vices, you know, you work all week and then go and get absolutely hammered on a Friday night. Obviously, that's a big vice. But uh, and if you're associated with that group, then you'll probably do the same. Yeah, I'm also, speaking also in the first person here. That's <laughs> that's, that's, that's me. <laughs> yeah.
1: Also, are uh, difficult to get out of. Uh, habits like that. I think so. Yeah, definitely. Probably the hardest. But uh, chapter eleven. In- oh, by the
0: way, we're in we're in part three here as well. So this is so part two was the broader principles, and part three is applying to specifics. Yeah.
1: So yeah, sorry, I might go on. So he's got some pretty cool stuff with how to deal with insults. So if someone who you don't respect insults you, there you should actually feel good and and reply with, "I'm relieved that you feel that way about me."
0: Yeah, it sounds a bit lame, doesn't it?
1: <laughs> <laughs> but that's what he says. But but yeah, he, you're fucking, you probably yeah. cut more shit off. That, he,
0: so basically, he says if uh, think of as you said, think of where the insult's coming from, and if it's someone you respect, like he used the example of he started trying to learn the banjo. So when his banjo teacher said that was no good, uh, it's not an insult so much. You should take that as a positive because it's someone you respect, someone he's paying to give him insults essentially. Whereas, as you say, if it's someone you don't respect, then, yeah, you shouldn't, shouldn't stress about it.
1: And now, uh, probably a slightly better example is if someone gives, gives you shit, uh, refuse to respond to the insult, and that is the most effective response because, like, you're robbing them of the pleasure of having upset you. So, in mm. turn, they're more likely to be the one upset.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think in, in, if someone's insulting you, probably their purpose or their goal is to upset you and they're expecting you to counter insult them, mm. and that's a sh- that's their sign that they've won. If you if you felt bad enough to insult them back, that's a win for them. But mm. for you, he says a good way is to respond with humor, self deprecating humor. Um, tough to do, but effective.
1: And uh, he says this is kind of linking to the last chapter. That's he says the best one of the best benefits for him is how he deals with the insults. He kind of just embraces them welcomes them in, and uh, they don't really affect him at all.
0: Yeah, he's, he looks now at insults as an opportunity to practice not being affected by insults, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: it. Another uh, similar thing to, to Buddhism there, which is, yeah. as you can probably tell, there's uh, a Did of a crossover, yeah. Yeah, Vendigo Stoicism's Vendigo. like the uh, analytical version of mm. Buddhism. The Buddhism is already pretty analytical, so <laughs> yeah, quite similar. Uh, chapter 12, mate, grief, you want to choose with that?
0: Yeah, so the main thing here was saying that he, he told a story about, you know, a woman whose son had passed away, and three years later, she was still feeling the same amount of grief as she did the day he passed away. And obviously, that, that was not a good three years to live. So he says, tying back to negative visualization, so before we spoke about prospective visualization, uh, which is thinking, oh, what would happen if I lost this? Whereas he says he retrospective negative visualization uh, is saying, well, I'm I know, I'm know obviously sad that this person's passed away and they're no longer in my life, but I'm very happy of the past years that I got to spend with them. And my life would have been a lot worse if I never had that time with them. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah. Obviously, if you lose someone, it's no good, but be thankful for the time that you did have with them.
1: I love it. I love it. Uh, chapter 14, personal values on seeking fame. So this is pretty, I think a lot of people, you're, uh, you're hardwired to want to be popular, want to mm. be famous and all of that. But uh, what Stoics do is they value freedom, obviously, but they're reluctant to give away their power. So if you're mm. seeking this social status or this fame, you're letting other people have power over you, which is is bad for Stoics.
0: Yeah, for sure. They say fame comes at a price, and that price is, as you say, if you're wanting to be famous, whether that's in a small circle or worldwide, then you're putting, as you say, you're giving your power to other people because you're going to change yourself, your personality, your actions, and you're going to do things that you think that they're going to approve of. Mm. Yeah, so that's obviously a negative. Yeah.
1: yeah. Good stuff. Chapter 15, personal values on luxuri- luxurious living, seeking wealth forward. is like being rich, basically.
0: Yeah. They say there's natural desires and there's unnatural desires. So natural desires, obviously, I'm thirsty, I desire water, I'm hungry, I desire food. And then unnatural desires aren't things that we definitely need. It's things like, oh, I want a nice fancy car to show off to everyone then so I can live a luxurious life.
1: Yep. So a really cool quote here is towards the start of the chapter, and it's very obvious, but you're not really, again, biologically inclined to think like this, but not needing wealth, is a lot more val- valuable than, than wealth itself. Mm. Yeah, you're not going to end up on that hedonic head, adaptation treadmill. Yep. If you don't need the wealth, you just like, yep, sweet, pick up truck. <laughs> yeah. Fine, let's go to the bar and uh, order a cheap beer.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> And that's what, that's what they say, is that if in the past, you were pretty happy with a nice uh, fancy mac and cheese for mm. dinner, but then he says... Once you're starting to strive for that luxurious living, you're going to lose the delight that you gain from simple things and you're only going to be happy with going out to a fancy restaurant.
1: That's right. Chapter chapter 21, Stoicism yep.
0: Reconsidered. So we're into part four. Yep, part four. Which is four. The, the last bit, I guess, tying it, tying it all together.
1: Yep, that's right. So again, this is, goes a lot into our evolutionary biology and that's mm. how it's made us insatiable, which I guess we covered at the start. But is there anything else you... You want to uh, include in chapter 20? Yeah,
0: so part of that evolutionary thing is they say that uh, an idea, I guess, of that is that we enjoy things like sex and that's because the people who enjoyed sex had more sex and they're the ones that reproduced. So if there was someone that didn't enjoy sex, Mm -hmm. then they wouldn't have sex, they wouldn't reproduce, so then that trait wouldn't be carried on through evolution. So that's one thing, yeah. Yeah. Basically, I guess a few of the things to tie it all together is Become self-aware. Uh, use reasoning to overcome negative emotions. Uh, he said that despite you don't want to pursue wealth, but if you find yourself to be wealthy, then you should enjoy it. Uh, he says other people are always going to be annoying, so choose <laughs> choose who you spend time with, but don't let someone annoy you and um, upset your tranquility. Yep. Yeah, yeah, good other shit. Tied together.
1: Yeah. Uh, chat, then chapter twenty two kind of wraps it all up with. Yeah. Uh, Practicing solicism. So he talks again about the benefits he's had in his life, a lot of it. And uh, we talked about him being an insult connoisseur. So you like, copy insult, (laughs) taste it, and uh, (laughs) you'll feel good. And then what I really liked about this chapter is he talks about the battle between two selves. And so the one self is like on evolutionary autopilot, and this one's seeking comfort lacks self-discipline, and always take the path of least resistance. But And uh, it's a Mm. single-minded pleasure seeker, and he's also a coward, and he says he's also not my friend. So his whole goal of Stoicism, (laughs) or using reasoning, is to have complete dominance over this evolutionary fucking coward thing, which is really going to get you nowhere in life. So to do this, he says he must cause him to experience discomfort uh, he could have easily have avoided and to prevent him from experiencing these little comfortable pleasures.
0: Yeah, for cool sure. Shit. Another one he said is, um, to start off with, is do a bit of, be a uh, bit of stealth stoicism or be a closet stoic because if you go and tell your friends, oh, I'm now a stoic, they'll be like, either what the fuck's that hmm. or they'll be like, what is that the thing that, you know, the ancient Greeks and Romans did in 300 BC. What yeah. the hell are you doing? They'd have. Th- they'd think you'd lost the plot. Yeah. But he says things like negative visualisation you can do, no one will, no one will even know. Uh, and I guess in summary, some of the biggest things, the trichotomy of control. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is Marcus Aurelius said nothing is worth doing pointlessly and the pointless things are the things that you've got no control over, so don't, don't bother about that.
1: Yeah, I think uh, closet stoic is the way to go. I'm not going to be going around yeah. posting on Facebook, <laughs> I'm a stoic. Yeah. Come join my tribe, all that shit.
0: Oh, mate, one more. A couple of other things I like. Sorry, I just saw it here. Yeah. You said anger is like a mosquito bite. At the time, you really want to scratch that that bite, so you scratch it, but afterwards, you really regret scratching it. Mm. So it's sort of like anger. If you get angry at something, it might feel good at the time to have that release, but afterwards, you just think, what a yeah. waste, and you've just disrupted yourself. Yeah. Um, he's also it's a sharp. collector of butterflies. Sorry, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's he also a collector in. of butterflies. You see, he likes... Yeah. Doing things that give you the butterflies in the stomach, and it's just practicing overcoming fear.
1: Yeah, that's right. So, that's yeah. uh, that's a huge thing to, to do. And again, with the he, he talks about a Rolex watch. So there was a time he was walking through the shopping center one day, and there's people looking at watches and all that. And he says there was a time in his life where he could understand why someone would want a Rolex. But now being a stoic, all this behavior just puzzles him. Mm. So... I think this this philosophy would be huge for people around the world because, like, we're in so much debt. The whole globe oh, yeah. is in... It's fucked with debt. <laughs> it's not cool. it's not cool. <laughs> and in, in such financial trouble. And we're always in the rush of buying something and thinking it's going to contribute to the long-term happiness. Much like a heroin addict takes a hit for the long-term happiness.
0: Yeah. So yeah. it's
1: not... It's like when you see people in a shopping centre going around buying things, they're not... Just realise, they're not buying... They're going to be long-term happy. They're going to be mm. more like a heroin addict Uh just responding to these evolutionary impulses to buy shit, really.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Mate. Good book. Heavy shit, yeah.
0: Deep shit. Good book. I really like this because obviously, the, all these Stoic philosophers from ancient Greece and ancient Rome 2,000 years ago... If you read the, this is, I guess, a, a secondary text in that he's read all the primary texts and distilled the best info for us to read in this secondary text because uh, it'll be an uphill battle to try and read through all the ancient Roman, ancient Greek, yeah, um, primary texts and try and distill this info for ourselves. So this is really good,
1: mate. We haven't learned a lot it. in the last two thousand years, have we? <laughs>
0: That's true, mate. If people
1: haven't, this this is fucking good stuff. <laughs> this is good stuff. It's been around for two thousand years, rather than people are. Taking this on, they've gone the other way and uh, yeah, not really learned much from, yeah. from guys like uh, Seneca. And just to clear uh,
0: is it, sorry, is there anything else you got? No, nah, oh, man. No, cool. Just to clear it up, it's called A Guide to the Good Life, not A Guide to the Coot wife. if you're living in the Netherlands and just uh, <laughs> 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 misheard mis- <laughs> the pronunciation. Oh, sorry I think enough. I butchered the pronunciation again but it means a vagina yeah. woman in Dutch.
1: Mate, yeah. <laughs> you just keep on the <laughs>
0: You just keep plugging it. <laughs> let's sing, mate. Let's so sing. Let's sing it. <laughs> <laughs> I got to the good life. Doesn't feel good, baby. Yeah. Yeah. The by the ancient
1: auto, soul joy. Don't worry about the head on a treadmill, love adaptation. Get out and just enjoy yourself. Do negative visualization. Yeah.
0: Internalize your goals. Don't rely on other people. They're going to annoy you.
1: Other people just have a evolutionary programming. Don't worry about that. Just reason, baby, Just reason. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: The guy to the good life,
1: not the cool drive. The present is all that you own. The present is all that you own. Marcus Aurelius told us that 2,000 years ago. Listen to the man.
0: Don't seek fame and don't seek wealth. But if you get it, then you can enjoy it.
1: Just enjoy the insults, be a connoisseur of the insults, what a lot of good wine. Don't let yourself get angry. That's just gonna fuck up your day. Look at those people buying that Rolex watch. What they're gonna do with that shit, they're gonna keep Find a better, better watch—they're not gonna enjoy the shit that they do.
0: Trichotomy of control: there's just three things that you can do. Number one is the things that you got no control over. Number two is the things you've got complete control over. That's number three. And number three is the things that you got some control over, but not complete control over.
1: Got to the good life, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to the good life, yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to the good life, yeah, yeah, yeah. Motherfucking yeah, good life, yeah, yeah. good life. Got to the good life, good life. <laughs> <It was> fucking- <laughs>